You're listening to Down to a Science, a LANL podcast series. On August 5th, 2012, the Curiosity rover safely landed on Mars in the Gale Crater. Its mission? To determine whether the red planet was ever habitable to microbial life. The Curiosity mission was supposed to last about two years. Ten years later, the rover is still going, collecting data from new areas. I'm your host, Lexi Petronis, from the Los Alamos National Laboratory Public Affairs Office. Join our scientists as they receive updates and information from SuperCam and Sherlock, Los Alamos developed instruments on the Perseverance rover that are part of a NASA mission that is searching for signs of past life on Mars. Today, we're taking a look back at some of the accomplishments of the ongoing Curiosity mission and the Los Alamos-developed ChemCam instrument on board the Curiosity rover. We're talking to Nina Lanza, Principal Investigator for the ChemCam instrument on the Curiosity rover, and also Co-Investigator on SuperCam, and Sam Clegg, Deputy Principal Investigator on SuperCam. The Curiosity mission is actually a rover that we sent to Mars in 2012. The point of this rover is to actually figure out habitability. So that is not life, but rather places where life as we know it could exist. So one of the things I love about this rover is just how big it is. You know, its official name is the Mars Science Laboratory or MSL, but we had a naming contest and a sixth grader named it Curiosity, which I think is a perfect name. Uh, and so Curiosity is actually really, really large. It's got 10 payload instruments so that we have 10 different ways of studying Mars. It's so big, it's the size of a Mini Cooper. So, you know, if you saw it, you would definitely notice it. It's definitely not a toy rover. The KimCam instrument is the is the instrument that sits at the top of the mast. It's the it's the instrument with the big eyeball that you see at the very top of the mast. And through that eyeball, we shoot a laser that allows us to probe, uh, shoot the the, the uh, rocks and the soils on the surface of Mars, and try to answer part of that question about not only the geology and the mineralogy, but to also understand uh, that that question about habitability. The Curiosity rover has now been on Mars for 10 years, and it's still making important discoveries to this day, thanks in large part to its power source. When people see pictures of the rover, they noticed immediately that there are no solar panels. And they ask, well, how, how can you rove if you have no solar panels? And the answer is, we actually have a different power source. So in order to get more power, we actually uh, fly uh, what's called a radioisotope thermoelectric generator, or an RTG. Uh, that includes plutonium. That's the heat source that's used to generate electricity. And that plutonium comes from Los Alamos, just like uh, the ChemCam instrument does. On board the Curiosity rover is ChemCam, which uses a technique called laser-induced breakdown spectroscopy, also known as LIBS, to zap rocks and create a plasma, and then collect the light from that plasma to understand what elements are present on the planet's surface. ChemCam has helped make a number of important discoveries that help researchers understand if there was ever life on Mars. When I think back to what we've discovered with ChemCam and Curiosity over the past 10 years, you know, there's so many things that we've learned that we didn't know that really fundamentally changed our view of Mars. But one of my favorites is actually the very first discovery that ChemCam made, and that is there's hydrogen in the soils. Now, before we landed on the surface, you know, we saw from orbit that there were all these materials that apparently had hydrogen in them. And now hydrogen can be in a lot of different things, but for a geologist, it's typically water. 
right? Or something water related. So why is there all this water in the seemingly barren soil of Mars, right? Why are we seeing this from orbit? Well, it turns out that that soil isn't so barren after all. It turns out that all of the soil is hydrated. And that tells us that all that soil has been in contact with water. It's actually quite a bit of water. It's about two to four weight percent by volume. It's a, a huge amount of, of hydration. And we had no idea that that was there until ChemCam shot those soils and saw that spectrum. It was an incredible discovery. So it's one that I like to come back to, even though it was something that was 10 years ago. Another discovery that I'm really excited about um, is that of manganese minerals that we found on Mars. Now, of course, I'm a little biased because this is the one that I led, but I think it's pretty exciting. Um, so manganese minerals on Earth form for two reasons. One, you need a lot of water and you need strongly oxidizing conditions. And so on Earth, we had a lot of water from the beginning of, of you know, when Earth cooled down, but we didn't have manganese minerals until after the rise of photosynthesis. So after life put oxygen into the atmosphere. So all of a sudden we can see this marker in the geologic record of Earth of this huge change of the atmosphere and also the emergence of a certain type of life. Now we weren't looking for manganese minerals on Mars because we didn't expect anything like that to have happened. And yet, there they were. So when we first saw this with ChemCam, you know, we weren't really sure if that was actually real. You know, we're like, maybe we should check these data a little bit more carefully. But it turns out there is actually quite a bit of manganese throughout Gale Crater, which is really exciting, but also mysterious, right? So we know that there needed to be a lot of water and these strongly oxidizing conditions. So that's not how Mars is today. So it tells us that things have really changed. And it opens up these really exciting possibilities, not only for habitability, so places where life might like to exist, but also for life itself, because today most manganese cycling on Earth happens because of microbes. So both of these things are really exciting, you know, more oxygen in the atmosphere, microbes. We don't know exactly what it is on Mars, but certainly it brings up a lot of exciting possibilities. Another really exciting discovery that ChemCam made was of boron. So we made the very first in situ measurements of boron on Mars. So we thought, you know, boron probably existed there, but it would be very much a trace element. We actually found it concentrated into calcium sulfate veins. And that's exactly where we would expect to find it on Earth. It's something that gets concentrated when you evaporate, uh, evaporate minerals um, from water. And so boron is really exciting because it's one of those precursor elements that we know needed to exist in some abundance on Earth for life to arise. It's one of these things that helps catalyze organic molecule building. And so when we see it on Mars, that just reinforces the idea that Mars actually had all of the raw ingredients necessary for life to arise. We don't know if it ever did, but certainly everything was right for it to happen. Well, to add to that, um, we also knew from all the previous rover missions that sulfur was ubiquitous over the the sulfur uh, sulfur was ubiquitous over the surface of Mars. But what I found very surprising that also led to this boron discovery was that we see sulf we see calcium sulfate veins uh, throughout the traverse from the beginning of the mission as we entered into Yellowknife Bay ten years ago all the way through the ascent into Mount Sharp, we see these calcium sulfate veins everywhere. And ChemCam is uniquely uh, capable of being able to probe these veins because they're actually quite small, uh, on the order of, of about a centimeter or less in, in size. And our sub-millimeter sized analysis can, can, uh, can allow us to, to probe these calcium sulfate veins in a fair amount of detail. 
even though we've made so many discoveries already over the past 10 years, you know, we're still learning new things even now. And I think a really good example of that is this one area called Glen Torridon. It turns out it has a lot of what we would call diagenetic features. So these are things like veins or nodules, and they form when water flows through rocks and deposits minerals. And so it tells us that even though the lake dried up and disappeared and all those lake sediments turned into rocks, there was still water operating in Mars on Gale, in Gale Crater. So we could see that the water is flowing through the rocks, still depositing minerals long after the lake was gone. That really tells us that there is a very long history of water in this area. And it's a very exciting thing because it tells you there's a lot of opportunities for habitability. What surprised me the most about Gale Crater is actually just how habitable it is. You know, before we landed with Curiosity, we had the thought that Mars was much more of an acidic place. And there are certainly places on Mars for which this is true. But acidity is not super great for habitability. But in contrast, Gale Crater tells us a story of really neutral pH waters, lots of organic materials, you know, all the building blocks that life would ever need and this very mild environment. That's really surprising. You know, I think it was more, it was beyond what I thought would be possible on Mars. We always knew that Mars would be interesting, but I didn't know how similar to Earth Mars was actually until we did this mission. While ChemCam and Curiosity have been making groundbreaking discoveries on Mars for a decade, a lot has changed for our scientists here on Earth. ChemCam and Curiosity are so special to me because truly I feel like I've grown up as a scientist with them. I started with ChemCam in 2006 as a graduate student. I was a fresh PhD student and it spanned my entire career. I got to see what it was like to build an instrument, what it was like to calibrate an instrument and prepare it for launch, what it was like to launch an instrument and then to do operations, not really having any sense of how the whole instruments would work or the whole project would work together. And finally, now I am the PI of this project. I now lead this project that really um, led me for most of my career. So it's an incredible privilege and honor that I have that this has really defined my scientific career. So I was really very fortunate to start working on ChemCam as it was selected in 2005. I was uh, I started to the lab in 2003, so I was still a, a pretty new staff member, and I've been working on on all aspects of the mission ever since. I got to participate in the in the original uh, scientific work to define what the instrument would do and what it could do. Um, I participated in the calibration and the the, the um, quantification development of the quantification. Um, and now I get to I get to um, participate in Mars operations. Um, so it's it actually I I have to say it's been it really has been the highlight of my technical career. As for what's next, ChemCam will continue to support the Curiosity mission for as long as the rover lasts. As we move forward, you know there are so many discoveries that we have yet to make. You know we are ascending Mount Sharp, which is a mountain of sediments the size of Kilimanjaro, so that's over 19,000 feet tall. That's a huge amount of sediments and so much geologic time. We may not make it to the top, but we are gonna drive as far as we can. And there's so much we have yet to learn. We know something about it from orbit, but every time we actually get wheels on the ground, we learn something new. So I have no doubt that we have a lot of exciting discoveries ahead of us. And I can't predict what those are gonna be, but I know they're gonna be exciting. 
Uh, in the first 10 years of the mission, we've managed to fire the laser 900,000 times. That's 900,000 observations that we've made with our laser, and over 18,000 images have been collected as well. In the next many years, as we continue to ascend into Mount Sharp, I, I think, I think uh, Mount Sharp is going to tell us not only a great deal about, about the past, uh, the Mars past, but it's, it's going to surprise us. There are still some discoveries to be made and surprises to be unveiled. Uh, and I think ChemCam is, uh, is going to be right there at the forefront uh, to document all those discoveries. Mars Technica is produced by Los Alamos National Laboratory. Your host, Lexi Petronas. Producer, Nick Niegomir. Special thanks to our guests, Nina Lanza and Sam Clegg. Find out more about the laboratory and its mission at lanl.gov.